I had just moved back to the U.S. after spending about four years in West Africa where I was an aid worker. And I felt like I had had all these different experiences in my life and at that point. And I'd been an entrepreneur. I'd been work, working for myself. But there wasn't anything that kind of tied all that stuff together. And so that's what I, why I was discontented, why I was dissatisfied, and why I wanted to, to create a project. This is the Happen to Your Career podcast with Scott Anthony Barlow. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and make it happen. We help you define the work that's unapologetically you, and then go get it. If you're ready to make a change, keep listening. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. This is Scott Anthony Barlow, and you are listening to Happen to Your Career, the show that helps you figure out what work fits you by exploring other stories. We get to bring on all kinds of experts like Andy Malinsky, who helps people know when and how to get outside their comfort zones, and people that have pretty amazing stories like Tracy Tim, who was tired of checking boxes and decided there had to be more in life. And well, she went and found it. These are people that are just like you, only they've gone from where they are to what they really really want to be doing. Today, we get to talk to Chris Gillibo. Career-wise, I would say I'm a writer, traveler, and entrepreneur. Uh, I'm fortunate to connect with a wonderful community of people all over the world who are changing the world in different ways. Uh, my first book was The Art of Nonconformity. I've done a few books since then. I had a quest to visit every country in the world, uh, and now I produce a daily podcast called Side Hustle School, and my new book is called Side Hustle. Hey, this was a fun conversation with Chris, and very timely because when I was at a conference, got to see Chris speak. And he told a story about his his grandma, actually, that was really, uh, oddly enough, helpful in understanding how he how he got into helping people with their side hustles. So listen for that and a whole bunch more. We also talk about how to take some of the pressure off by learning the difference between a startup and a startup environment and an income generating project that can be potentially a side hustle. Also learn how a side hustle is different from being a full-blown entrepreneur as well, because there's a massive difference and it doesn't have to be the same thing. And some people gloss over it, looking at it as the exact same thing. And it's not. Also, there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. If you don't want to quit your job tomorrow and take a huge risk to start your own thing, that's okay. Even though it's becoming popular, it's not the only thing to do and you have other options and you shouldn't feel like you have to do that. So we'll talk about that and and how that works out. Plus, learn how to decide what kind of side hustle is actually right for you. All right. All that, plenty more Take a listen to my conversation with Chris. I'm going to be the operations coordinator for CASA, which is stands for Court Appointed Special Advocate. This is Sarah. She has many passions and skills, which actually made it kind of difficult for her. My whole career type story has been one of sort of bouncing around because I didn't know what I wanted to do and I could never figure it out. Listen for Sarah's story later on in the episode to learn how she used Career Change Bootcamp to help her finally figure out what fits her. I had the opportunity to really just kind of try to figure it out. You've had a really, well, I guess more accurately, I would say you've created a really interesting story for yourself. It is, I think, most accurate. I am super curious because I'm not sure that I've heard it 
anywhere. I understand some of the reasons that you decided to visit every every country in the world, but I am what I couldn't necessarily find as much was what were the precursors for those reasons? What are mm. some of the events that led up to that? Super curious. Yeah, sure. Precursor is a good word, I think, because people don't make that kind of decision in a vacuum. And sometimes people are like, wow, it's so awesome. You went to every country in the world. I'm like, well, I did that after, after a bunch of other stuff. And so, you know, the, the precursor I think was first that experience in West Africa, I was living in Sierra Leone and Liberia, um, traveling in some, some countries that are a little bit difficult to travel in. And I actually really enjoyed it. Like I enjoyed the challenge. I liked the culture. I liked just logistics and figuring stuff out and, began to travel more independently. I took a trip to Eastern Europe. I had a trip to Southeast Asia somewhere in there. And I was like, well, I should turn this into something like whatever this is, it makes me feel alive and I really like it. So what do, what does that become then? And so I first set a goal to go to a hundred countries. And as I got closer to achieving that goal, I decided like, let's make it a real challenge because a hundred countries is not that difficult. Like there's 193 countries in the world. If you just pick and choose which countries to go to, then, you know, like if you, if you get stuck somewhere, you just go somewhere else, like not a big challenge. And so that's when I was like, let's make it every country in the world. And like, like timing is kind of important for these things too, I think. And so I was turning 30 and I, I guess at that point it, it was like 70 or 80 countries I'd been to. And so I was like, let's try to finish by my 35th birthday. And when, and the more I thought about that, the more it just kind of felt right. And so that's, that's kind of why I decided, okay, let's, let's take that on and make that my focus. Was that, was that 2014 when you finished? Was it? Um, yeah, something like that. I can't believe it. It's 2017 now. It's been three years. I know. Crazy. I vaguely recall, I went to WBS and uh, Backstory there. That's World Domination Summit, which is an event that you and uh, a bunch of other really amazing people put on. And if I recall correctly, I think you had just finished, just finished your tour, per se. So I am, I'm super curious then. Okay, you've got you've got this this great story. You it led you know it came originally from quote unquote discontentment, and then over the over the last number of years, it's migrated into a whole bunch of other things. But what I'm super interested about is why you've taken such a liking, passion, excitement about for people that maybe don't want to be entrepreneurs. But you still feel that uh, that a side hustle is for everybody. So I'd love to dig into that for a few minutes, partially because I know that the HDYCers that are out there that are listening to this right now, for many of them that is their world, and for many of them that is <laughs> that's exactly what they feel. But I'm curious why and where that started for you, because you're you're not. I mean, that's that's not your world right now. So how does, yeah, how does that all mesh together? So I think, um, I think it came about by paying attention and I, I just noticed, like I've been writing about side hustles for eight years now, but there's definitely much more resonance in the culture about it. And, um, last year I had a book tour where I went to about 30 cities and I would talk, I gave a talk about 30 minutes long and I would talk about side hustles for maybe two minutes of that talk. And I noticed like a disproportionate response to that part. Like people would ask questions afterwards and like 50% of the questions were about side hustles. And I was like, something, there's something to this. And at the, around that same time, I was like, well, just like you said, not everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. And I, I felt like there was a bit of a backlash toward like this message of you should quit your job. You should quit your job tomorrow and 
you should take a big risk or jump off a cliff. And if you don't, something's wrong with you. Like, what are you afraid of? You know, and there's all kinds of people out there who can't quit their job tomorrow. And there's all kinds of people who don't want to quit their job tomorrow because they're working for a good company or a good organization. They're doing something they believe in. So they're all those people. And I felt like they were kind of on the outside of this like entrepreneurial message because they're being talked down to essentially. And I don't think everybody should quit their job, but I do think everybody should have more than one source of income, which is a big part of what the project is about. And so I was like, I'm going to focus on this. I'm going to write a book about it, but I want to do more than that. So that's where the daily podcast came into it. Um, the hundred city tour that I'm going to be embarking on soon. Um, that was kind of like, let's, let's really kind of take this on and not just as a side project for myself, you know, as you said, but I'm going to make this my main thing for so a while at least. As you've interacted with lots of different people, how do you encourage them to decide what's right for them? Because I mean, speaking as uh, mm -hmm. somebody who has, has helped many people start sure. side businesses or even businesses that have turned into full time. And also, I, I mean, that's two of three, actually three of my side hustles have turned into full time businesses. Wow. It's which I just realized that as I said, that congratulations. Now. Thank you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, Self-realization, but it, Aside from that, though, it's not right for everybody. And right. we encounter a lot of people that tangle with that decision. And mm. I think feel a lot of complexities around that, that decision, yeah. too. So I'm curious, what have been your observations as to what may be right for one person, but not necessarily right for the next? And how to, no, nobody can make that decision for you, but how to aid in that decision. I would say that step one is to reduce the complexity. Like you said, these decisions, you know, can sometimes feel a bit overwhelming. I would encourage people to think about it like you're not making a life decision here. That's why it's a side hustle. That's why you start this without quitting your job. You know, if you're, if you're not if you're not sure like which idea is right, well, you know, you're not going to invest a lot of money. You're not going to spend, you know, six months or a year on it. Um, you're going to spend a little bit of time and see how it goes. And if you need to change somewhere along the way, then then that's okay. So I, I feel like just removing some pressure is a really great first step for a lot of people. Um, they feel like if they get it wrong, you know, the rest of their life is ruined or something. And so I'm trying to maybe alleviate that a bit. Um, and then after that, it's, it's, you know, probably similar to some of the stuff you do. I ask people about skills and I try to really kind of uncover like, you know, some hidden skills or some skills they haven't paid much attention to and, you know, then see if we can connect that to some kind of product or service that they can then develop. And, and these skills are not that hard to learn. Like if you're out there listening and you're like, well, I don't really know much about starting a business. Like these are, these are really kind of basic skills. Like the thing that's far more important is like the expertise you already have and the life experience you've already had. And, and if you have a traditional career, like what have you learned to do in that career that might be, might then be adapted, you know, in some other way for a side hustle. So just kind of helping people think through those things, expand their options, um, show them that there can be more possibilities. I think that's I think that's really powerful. So that's what I try to do in different ways. That's an interesting thing that I've noticed over the years is we perceive what's available and out there for us much differently based on how much we've expanded our knowledge of the possibilities. I don't know if I'm saying that okay. accurately, but. Yeah. It, but alluding to, to what you just mentioned with you trying to really expand their, expand their, you say horizons, but expand their possibilities, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. What, what are some ways that people can do that for themselves mm -hmm. in order to, because I noticed you, I have a copy of your book sitting in front of me, right? It's sure. the precursor to the book. And you spend a lot of time up front really detailing out on ideas and how mm -hmm. to uh, 
how to select an idea and how to select the right idea, quote unquote. And right. it seems like a lot of people get stuck mm-hmm. in that area. Yeah. So I've been surprised because like when I began this project, uh, there were, there were two big problems that people tend to have. And like, this was my observation and I thought it would be like maybe split down the middle or more oriented toward the second one. So the two problems are one, I don't have an idea or I don't know like where good ideas come from. Second problem is, you know, I have plenty of ideas. Ideas are not my problem. I just don't know how to make them happen. Basically. I'm not sure like how to go from idea to action. So I, I guess I assumed that more people would be in the second group, but I've been surprised that there are a lot of people who are just like, you know, I'm, I'm good at my job. Like I'm good at the things I do, but I don't actually know like what makes for a good, you know, side hustle income generating idea. So I've kind of shifted a lot, a lot of my focus toward that. And, uh, you mentioned like steps people can take. So I talk about, you know, developing this power of observation and, uh, just the ability to, to use your curiosity and to begin to explore that curiosity a bit, maybe not necessarily by starting, you know, a different side hustle every day, but just by paying attention as you go about your daily life, noticing problems or noticing inefficiencies or noticing things that could be made better. Um, and then thinking about like, how could somebody do that and how could somebody create some, you know, improvement to this pain point or something better? Like, what could we do with this? And a lot of the people that I profile on the show, like a different story every day, it's from somebody who has learned that power of observation and then applied it. So I think that's probably the first and most important thing. And then, of course, you get into like, okay, I've got a bunch of ideas. How do I choose the best one? Then what are my steps to get started? How do I launch that idea? But I feel like if you don't have that first thing, then, you know, you can be as optimal and as efficient as possible with everything else. But you really have to have a good idea. I think that's the most important. I just didn't really have a thing, you know, that I felt like I was really good at. I always called myself a dabbler. Not only did Sarah struggle with the array of passions, but she also had some other setbacks. I couldn't walk anymore and bedridden for at least a year, probably closer to two. After she recovered physically, Sarah began searching for a job again and struggled quite a bit. So I felt like I kept having all these false starts which made me feel like I wasn't really building much of a resume. I knew it was too vague, but it was because I didn't know what I wanted to do. But I just did never feel like I could reach higher because I didn't have the quote unquote experience, you know, kind of a thing. And that's where I think this course really helped. Now, Sarah's talking about Career Change Bootcamp, which helped her realize that setbacks could still be positioned to find the perfect job. You don't necessarily have to have the same job description for 15 years to have it apply to a new position. Sarah was finally able to figure out what fit. I'm going to be the operations coordinator for CASA, which is stands for Court Appointed Special Advocate, and then hopefully in the next year or so bump up to the operations manager. Congratulations to Sarah on finding work that she loves. If you also want to figure out what work fits you and find that fulfilling career that lights you up and gives you purpose, well, you can find out how Career Change Bootcamp can help you step by step because, well, that's what we do. All you have to do is go to happentoyourcareer.com and click on Career Change Bootcamp to apply for our next opening and next cohort. Or you can text my coach, that's MY coach, to 44222 and we'll send you over an application and help you figure out if it's a great fit for you. Pause right now and go ahead and text my coach to 44222. Being willing to be open to what is, what is your inner self really truly saying to you and not just what you hear everybody else saying it should be.
for a little bit of context here, you've got you've got the book organized into idea to income in twenty seven days, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So at some point in there, you go from taking it from an idea, and I'm going to call it, for lack of a better phrase, validating an idea. And one of the things mm-hmm. that you have in there that I think has been invaluable for lots of people is a once you've paid attention, once you've seen an opportunity, how do you take that? And then mm-hmm. be able to put it into action in a way that is useful mm-hmm. for other people or that other people, that meets their needs. And one thing that you focus on in there is, let's see if I recall, you call it, you know, how to have coffee with the uh, imaginary, how do you say that? Have an imaginary coffee with your original passenger. That's what you call it, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So what I'd love for you to do is sure. take, take us through how to do that. Because I think that that is possibly better rank order it, it definitely is up there in one of the most valuable skill sets actually mm-hmm. cut to the heart of what people actually want need etc okay. etc sure yeah so you mentioned you know have coffee with your imaginary customer have imaginary coffee with your ideal customer something like that um and, and we should go back at some point to that validating an idea thing because i actually think this is a, a big misconception about about side hustles um, and entrepreneurship in general um, but you know, the imaginary coffee thing is like, okay, somewhere out there. Well, first of all, you've been told, you've probably been told something about target markets. If you've ever read some entrepreneurial book or something, or you watch shark tank talking about target markets, like in terms of demographics and, and all this kind of stuff, I, I like to think of it in terms of one person, um, or like there's an ideal customer, there's an ideal client out there. As you develop an idea, as you go from idea to action, as you said, like, who is that idea for and, and how is it going to change their life? And so I encourage people to, like, get really, really specific about this and maybe even give that person a name and understand, like, who they are, not just demographically, like how old they are, like what's their background, et cetera. But, like, what are what are their goals? Like, what are their goals? What are their hopes? What are their struggles? You know, what causes them pain or difficulty? Like the more you think about this and the more you kind of, you know, adapt your offering, which, you know, the book is also about like you've got an idea, so it has to turn into an offer. Here's how you take that idea and make it an offer. As you kind of refine that offer, you kind of focus a little bit more on that person and you're usually going to be more successful. You're going to connect much more closely with that person. So maybe as an example, like when I started Side Hustle School, um, I actually haven't done a great job with this in, in the past. I've had a very kind of broad audience. And for Side Hustle School, I was like, no, I'm going to be really specific about this. Like... I connect with a lot of entrepreneurs. That's great. This pro- this project, the podcast, the book, et cetera, is not for entrepreneurs. It is for employees. It's for people who have day jobs and they're busy. They're doing all kinds of stuff. Maybe they got family commitments as well. Maybe they're going to school and they they would love to have another source of income, but they don't have a lot of time. So I started thinking a lot about those people and started just like, what do they, what's their process like? How do they commute to work? Um, when they do have pockets of free time, where are those pockets and, and how do they spend them? And I just started thinking a lot about it a lot more. And so I was much more targeted with this project than I've ever been. So I encourage people when they're starting this, like really think about who it's for and think about how you can serve those people. How do they get beyond just thinking about that? What other types of things should they detail out? What else, mm-hmm. what else goes into that? What are some steps that they can go through so that they can understand, hey, have I, have I checked this box, quote unquote? And, and, and you and I both know it's not necessarily going to be box checking. It's going to be a yeah, sure. thing. But, you know, thinking about it in terms of how do I know that I've done a halfway decent job there and really determining what it is that they need and what the world is like and what they're thinking, feeling, 
property sure. with, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about it in the context of a story. So there's a woman named Sarah Hannington. I believe she's in chapter three of the book and she created like personalized candy hearts and, uh, you know, like these Valentine's day hearts that say like be mine or whatever on them. A couple of years ago, she wanted to, she wanted to order them herself and she was a marketing director. She wanted to order these, these kind of hearts for her clients. She wanted them to have like her client's business name on them or whatever. And she had a hard time finding them. And she realized like, you know, I can't be the only person searching for this. So she didn't know how to manufacture, you know, candy hearts, but she kind of sat down in this process of figuring it out. And for a while she was reselling and then eventually she like actually ordered her own machine. You know, it took a couple of years of kind of like part-time work, but she ended up building this little business and, uh, this little business is a seasonal business. So it's almost always like focused around Valentine's day. Uh, but it earns more than a hundred thousand dollars a year. And so she still has her day job. She goes to her day job because she likes her day job. And uh, she also has this very, very significant you know, side income as well. So that if anything ever changes at her day job, well, now she's got another income. So in this case, like thinking about her ideal customer, her ideal customer was someone just like her, basically, like someone who's you know, buying business gifts or corporate gifts, you know, wanted to do something fun and personalized and different. Um, how can she reach those people? How can she show them here's something fun? Uh, how can she make it easy? How can she do a better job than the companies who were doing it before? Uh, and then how can it, you know, how can she kind of keep it going year after year? That was, that was essentially her process. So she didn't know going into it that this was going to turn into what it was. Um, you know, there wasn't really a way to validate the idea before she tried it, but she thought, you know, I can't be the only one. So let's, let's try it and see, see what happens. And, you know, she did. That is phenomenal. And I'm super curious as you have as you've interacted with people over the years and you have researched a number of these stories and met a bunch of these people, what do you think are some of the things that even, even not necessarily in, in your book or on your podcast or in I don't know, popular, popular culture at this point, popular side hustle mm-hmm. culture doesn't sure. get talked about that you think deserves a little bit of airtime as far as behind uh-huh. the scenes, what makes the side hustle difficult. Okay. Smart question. Um, yeah, I wasn't expecting the last part. So let me come back to the last part about difficulty. When I, when I, when you first asked that question, I was like, what doesn't get talked about? Um, I would say the differences between like startup culture and what it means to just go out and start your first income generating project because they're very, very different. And, you know, startup culture is very much about like creating something that is scalable and something that is sustainable. And you hear all this stuff about like automating your business and delegating and outsourcing and all this kind of stuff, you know, and, and validating your idea. So let's go back to that quickly. A lot of the ideas that I talk about on Side Hustle School, there's no way to validate them until you try it. Like there's absolutely no way to know, you know, like I have, I have a story coming up about this guy who like created cricket protein powder, like protein powder made out of crickets. And this is hugely popular among bodybuilders for some reason. It's also a six figure business. If you had asked somebody beforehand, like, what do you think about this? Like most people would say like, that's crazy. You know, first episode that I did of this year, uh, on January 2nd, after an introduction on January one was about a guy who wrote, wrote a blog about fish tanks and he wrote reviews of fish tanks, ended up doing like an Amazon commission kind of thing. He set up this project in a weekend and kind of walked away from it, never did anything with it. And like three years later, he's still earning $700 a month from Amazon commissions from that little project. No real way to validate that. So is it scalable? Not really. Is it sustainable? Who knows? Like it could go away next month, but does it matter? 
Like it doesn't matter at all because he's created this little asset and that's allowed him to take an extra vacation with his wife. It's allowed him to have this, you know, second income. So that's my first thought is like a lot of what you've been told about entrepreneurship is wrong. Basically doesn't mean it's wrong for everybody, but it's probably wrong for people who are trying to start their side hustle. As for what's difficult, um, I would be the first to say, like, I never use the word easy or I try not to use the word easy too much. Like I use the word simple as opposed to complex, as opposed to like, let's reduce things and let's like look at things as simply as possible. But I don't ever tell people that, you know, doing something that's meaningful, doing something meaningful is rarely easy. You know, it, it take, it's going to take time. It's going to take focus. It will take you away from something else. But if you believe in the long-term vision, are you willing to make some kind of short-term sacrifice? I think that's kind of how I, how I frame things. And that's, that's how I thought about going to every country in the world. Like it wasn't easy, but it was worth it. Like it was meaningful. It was purposeful. I'm so glad that I did it. I have no regrets whatsoever. Well, when you put it that way too, I mean, I think that I can absolutely vouch for that. I mean, built this business from 4 a.m. to 7 a.m. on the side yeah, for exactly. two and a half years. And exactly. sometimes I wonder, so it wasn't easy, but yeah, it was, it, it seems to have been like a good decision. Absolutely worth it. And I would do it again, but it was crazy. Right. hard. Yeah, right. absolutely. Interesting. Interesting. So, then along that along that vein, then what are some of what are some of the the difficulties that other people have run into that you think or you've seen they've had mm. to overcome where it pops up into it pops up into patterns? Yeah. So okay, we've talked about ideas. I think we can also say that a lot of people get stuck in not knowing like what step to take. And that's why with this book, I did it very in a process kind of driven manner, step one through step 27, you know, one step a day. Like obviously you can follow it in your own path, your own pace. If you want to work faster or slower, that's fine. But I just kind of wanted to lay it out for people because I think it, it can be a very nebulous thing. You know, if you're talking to some people and say like, Oh, create like a basic website. Like some people know what that means. A lot of people have no idea what that means. They don't know how to, how to get a domain name and like, do I use WordPress or Squarespace or something else? And like uh, all this kind of stuff, right? Or if it could be a totally different project, it could be something very different. There's usually a lot of steps to it. So I think one challenge people have is like separating all the steps because a lot of jobs are very specialized and you go to your work and you're, you're part of a big company. And so you have your little piece, but it's connected to lots of other people. When you're starting your side hustle, for the most part, it's probably just you. Maybe it's one other person or something, but like it's you. And so you have to kind of figure out some of these, these smaller things that you might not necessarily have to think about in terms of your job. So that's one thing. That's interesting. And I, I can fully appreciate that. My, my last role was working in HR and I had a whole team of people that would do the bulk of like, the, what we did was not possible without that entire team. Of people. Right. But, right. you know, I didn't know how to, I don't, honestly, I didn't know how to get something mailed out. As silly right, as it right, exactly. And but then when it's your my, own business, yeah, you, you get to figure it out. Mail or whatever right. it is, right? Absolutely. Right. So I can mm -hmm. fully appreciate that. Yeah. Chris, I also didn't realize, totally off subject a little bit, I didn't realize you went to University of Washington. Uh, I did, yeah. I went to, I got my master's degree there. You did, you did. Yeah. And I know you have some mixed feelings about master's degrees in general. Yeah, I don't know if I have mixed feelings. I just, I didn't have a lot, I didn't have high expectations, so that was good. I think if I had high expectations, maybe I would be a little disappointed. Um, yeah, so I, I guess, I mean, you should always connect your education to your goals, right? And if somebody, you know, has a goal that requires an advanced degree, then that's that's great. I think maybe the mixed feeling comes in and like what, what I saw with a lot of my peers and what I see with a lot of people even today, I think fortunately young people are getting smarter. 
young people are smarter than they were perhaps in, in like, you know, 10 years ago when I was, you know, a younger person choosing to go to grad school. I think these days more people are aware that there's not a great return on investment for a lot of these degrees. And so you're spending a lot of money for something that is not necessarily going to lead to a great return later. And a lot of people kind of pursue their education or continue their education, let's say, because they don't have a better idea of what to do. And they're like, I'm not really sure what to do next. So therefore, you know, grad school. I don't think that's the smartest idea, especially if it's going to cost like a lot of money. So fortunately, I think people are thinking a little bit differently about that these days. I found that it certainly gets a lot more attention than it used to. And it's not as much the prescribed way to go. Mm. And you know, I started that. I started a college savings fund yeah. for my kids, not, I don't know, five, seven years ago, whatever it's been. And sure. <laughs> in the last three years, I have contributed less and less to that because it's like, well, <laughs> is that even going to be the best thing? I mean, what I, one of the things that we do as a company is digital education. And, right, right. You know, out of the savings that we created, we couldn't even pay for that through, mm-hmm. through those. So totally right. in agreement. I'm curious, how do you decide what you want to spend your time doing and what you want to lean into and what, what you want to produce a return on investment these days? Yeah. Well, these days I'm pretty focused on, you know, this whole concept of side hustle. Like I have the show I do every day. It's seven days a week. I am getting ready to do a hundred city tour. Uh, I'm like kind of all in with this. So I guess for me, like there's this whole like concept of like, you know, think outside the box. Uh, for me, I kind of, you know, chose the opposite. I'm like, I want to build a box for myself. I want to jump in that box. I want to like, like close everything off because this is my box. Like I'm going to be in my lane. And I, I think I had to do that for myself because I do, I also do a lot of other projects and I really needed some focus. So, um, when I choose like what to invest my time in, I don't know, I'm, I'm excited to, to do the things I do. I feel fortunate. I feel grateful. So I don't start my, my day at 4am. That's inspiring, but I do start, I do start pretty early and like I, I get up and I, you know, eager to work on stuff. And I guess when I, I look back over the you know past decade of making stuff, I can see where, where things really connected was where it was authentic and, you know, genuinely helpful to other people where it didn't connect so well was where it was just kind of me and like, oh, this is the direction I should go in because this is what other people are doing um, or, you know, something like that. And so I guess I try to focus much more and, you know, to try to choose more things in that first category of like, it's actually helpful to people. And, and I, I find that motivating. So for me, it's like a continuous circle. That's amazing. And I so appreciate it. And it is also slightly ironic that somebody who wrote the art of nonconformity, uh, well, everybody now wants to get out of the box, you're going to go back in the box. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Mixing it up. Uh, mixing it up. That is fantastic. Hey, Chris, I, I so appreciate the opportunity to get to chat with you, especially after getting to getting to watch you speak the other day. And I, where, where can people go if they want to find out more about about the podcast, Side Hustle School, or mm-hmm. the new book? Yes. Um, well, thank you so much. It's, it's been a big honor. And if I can help any of your listeners with something, definitely let me know. Uh, the website is sidehustleschool.com. You can subscribe to Side Hustle School in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, the new book is called Side Hustle. I'm doing a 100-city tour. I would love to see you somewhere. And I'm Chris Gillibo on social media. Hey, if you are now finally ready to create and live a life that's unapologetically you, then that's where I think you'd benefit quite a bit from our ultimate guide to using your strengths to get hired. It takes you through some of the best ways to identify your signature strengths so that you can connect those to do what you love, what you're great at, and bring value to your organization, your clients, customers, and anybody else in your life. And 
helps you understand how to be able to use those to get hired at the same time. I think that you'll absolutely love it. All you have to do is be able to text my strengths, that's M-Y, strengths, plural, to 44222. Simply pause this and yeah, just text over right now. My strengths to 44222. Hey, I really appreciate you taking the time and going over to iTunes or Stitcher or other podcast players and leaving us a rating and review of the show. Here's another one. This one is five-star rating and review. It comes from Jay Barshop. Thank you so much for taking the time to leave us this review. It says, Scott and his guests provide some incredibly compelling content on how to achieve your big dreams. Highly recommend listening and subscribing to Happen to Your Career if you want the knowledge and mindsets to become the very best version of yourself and reach all of your overall goals as a result. Hey, thank you very much. That means a lot to us. Thank you for the feedback and very much appreciate it too because that helps other people be able to find the podcast, which means that we get to get more people, even more people to work that they love doing. Want to find out what's coming up next week on Happen to Your Career? (laughs) I do too. Well, why don't we take a listen? After having got back from my 95-day test drive of what it is like to work remotely, work abroad, coming back, I felt like all of a sudden was facing this identity crisis and panic of, well, who am I if I'm not the person who is saving up for this amazing trip abroad and selling all of her worldly possessions and going off on this grand adventure? Hey, we've got all that and more in store for you right here next week here on Happen to Your Career. Until then, I will see you later. I am out. Adios. That is a lot. That is yeah, probably too much. I mean, it sounds kind of, you know, I don't know. I just I would I would normally just say like I'm a writer. If somebody said, What do you do? I'm like, I'm a writer. Well, how does that differ compared to if we go back 10 years ago? If we go back 10 years ago, I was in an interesting place of discontentment and dissatisfaction. And by that, I don't mean I was miserable. I mean, I was kind of eager for something new and uh, wanted to make a transition. So uh, going back 10 years ago, I was 29. I didn't have any sort of online platform or profile. Uh, I never made a website, never had a Facebook account, anything like that. And I had just moved back to the U.S. after spending about four years in West Africa where I was an aid worker. And I felt like I had had all these different experiences in my life and at that point. And I'd been an entrepreneur. I'd been work, working for myself. But there wasn't anything that kind of tied all that stuff together. And so that's what I, why I was discontented, why I was dissatisfied, and why I wanted to, to create a project. And so I created The Art of Nonconformity out of that, um, the blog that became a book and became a community. And thankfully, much more than just a book or something about me, but uh, became about a lot, of, a lot of different people as well. You're bopping like there's elevator music or something. <laughs> Cue the elevator music. I, I know he's got something going on in my head, so every once in a while. Here, let me cover that up real quick. <laughs> Take two. Yeah. That was a good listen. <laughs> All right. All (laughs) you would just wait till right before. No, I'm kidding. Uh, What do I even say? What do I want to say?
and more. All that and more. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I think someone spiked the eggnog a little bit early this year. <laughs> uh, this is just how I am, Josh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know, but you'll survive it, I'm sure. <laughs>